I'm in a series of sermons on uh, breaking free from the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups that are messing up your life. And today i got a very interesting topic that I want to talk about. It's entitled, Avoiding Fatal Attractions. And specifically, I'll deal with that in a moment. Well, our screens are down, but what if, use your imagination twice here, what if we could put on the screens behind me today every single thought that went through your head this past week? Okay. Every thought that you had was publicly displayed with your name there for all the rest of us to see. Would that make you just a little bit nervous? Huh? Some of you are wondering right now, well, does, does Brother Dean, did he bring that technology with him? I mean, can, can they do that? Well, our screens aren't working, so you'll never know, all right? But wow, I tell you what, that would make us feel really uncomfortable, wouldn't it? All right. Well, that leads into my verse that I want to share with you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, a familiar verse. I've referred to it several times already in our series on breaking free. I'm going to read the verse, say a word about it, and then we're going to move on throughout the Bible this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul said, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And may the Lord add His blessings to the reading of His Word today. Now, I find this verse incredibly reassuring. First of all, it says that every one of us faces temptation. It's man's oldest problem. It started in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. We've all had problems with temptation. I'm tempted. You're tempted. And I guess to quote Barney Five, all God's children are tempted, all right? We all face temptation. Secondly, it tells us it's not a sin to be tempted. Because we're all tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to temptation. I like the old preacher who said, you can't keep the birds from flying across your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. All right? And so it is with temptation. The Bible tells us that even Jesus himself was tempted. He was tempted in every point in which we are tempted, but Jesus was tempted and he was victorious. He did not sin even though he was tempted. Now, the Bible promises here that God will provide us a way out. With every temptation that comes into your life, God is offering you a way or the way to escape it. Okay, So you don't have to sin. Do you get that? You don't have to sin. God is giving you a way out, a way of escape. So it's not a sin to be tempted. We're all tempted. The sin occurs when we give in to that temptation, but you don't have to because God is providing a way out. So today I want to talk about six ways of escape from the temptation, six ways to get out of the temptation, six ways that you don't have to give in to the temptation. And specifically today I'm talking about how to avoid fatal attractions. Okay, how to avoid fatal attractions. And uh, I'm preaching, 
you know, I, I, I started this series uh, three weeks ago. It's my fourth sermon. And uh, uh, I, I planned on doing this when I started. And I thought, you know, this is going to be great. But boy, I tell you, all week long, I've kind of worried. Because I'm going to be talking about the S word. Okay? little three-letter S word, right? Some of you think it's a curse word, but it's not. It's in the Bible. I'm going to talk about sex today, sexual temptation, and how you can avoid that fatal attraction. Six ways. Are you ready? Number one, make a commitment to keep God's standard. You make a commitment to keep God's standards. Be willing to do in advance what the Bible tells us to do. Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? It's by living according to the word of God. Okay? How can a young man or an old man, a young woman or an older woman, how can they keep their life pure? Living according to God's word. So let me ask you, where do you get your values if we were just sitting down, me and you, and we were talking, and I asked you, where do you get your values, what would you say? Where is it that your values come from? Your personal values, your personal code of ethics. What's the authority for the values in your life? Is it popular opinion? Okay. Is it what everybody else is doing? Is it the latest bestseller or what's on the stand at the cash register at the checkout at Walmart? Is it what Dr. Phil says or Sister Oprah? Where is it that you get your values? I would submit to you that the best place and the safest place for you to get your values is to consult the creator of the universe and to look at God's instruction manual, which is the Bible. It tells us how we are to live life, and it stood the test of time. It has provided guidance for years upon years to countless generations, and God's Word will never lead you down the wrong path. So make a commitment to do whatever God says. Whether that is right or wrong in the eyes of the people of this world, whether it's popular or not, I'm going to do what God tells me to do in His Word. Now, specifically, we're talking about fatal attractions, falling into sexual temptation. So let me just share with you a few verses of what the Bible says about sexual temptation and this sexual sin. I'm going to go back a couple of pages in my Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13. Paul said, "...foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods..." But God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath raised up both the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot or a prostitute? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. 
Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Well, that's pretty plain, is it not? Let let me read you another one in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. But fornication... Okay, let me stop right time out. Fornication, that word includes all forms and all kinds of sexual immorality. Okay, it will include premarital sex. It will include committing adultery or having sex with someone while you are married to someone else. Uh, It includes looking at pornography. Okay, any kind of sexual perversion, homosexuality, it's all included in this word fornication. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. That make sense? So when you hear the name Will Harmon, you should not even have the thought in your mind, Will Harmon and adultery, Will Harmon and sexual immorality. The two don't go together. It should not even be suggested or named among you as believers. He goes on in verse 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, that is anyone who is sexually immoral, or unclean person, or covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Do you get the, God opposes this kind of activity. Okay? And then let me just read one more. There are several of them, but let me just read one more passage to you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification or your purity, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust. In other words, what he's saying is, you've got to control your body, your own vessel, your own body. You've got to learn how to control that so that you're not lusting. There's not a passion of lust in you like the Gentiles or the unsaved who do not know God. Verse 6, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Church, listen to me. God takes a hard line on sexual purity. You know what? I'm going to just be honest with you. When I was a kid growing up, I never heard about sexual purity or sexual immorality in my church. We just didn't talk about it. In fact, I was raised in a church in a home. You didn't talk about that kind of stuff. In, in fact, all this week, I've been as nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof. I'm as nervous as I can be right now because this is not the way I was programmed. I don't go around using the S word. You know, just, this is just the way I was raised. But you know what? This is what the Bible says. 
This is God's word. And I've got to tell you, God says sex is a good thing. Sex is a gift from God. But sex is to be enjoyed only in marriage. That's the bottom line. Some of you say, well, if God really loved me, He wouldn't restrict my freedom. He'd let me do whatever I want to do. Really? How many of you have kids or grandkids? Raise your hand. Do you have kids or grandkids? How many? Okay, put them down. How many of you really love your kids or your grandkids? Most of the time, all right? That's it. Most of the time. Sure, we love them. Now, how many of you would let them do whatever they want to do? If you really love them, are you going to let them do what they want? Dad, I want to go out and, and play on I-540 and play kickball on I-540. Is that okay? Sure, go ahead. Enjoy yourself. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. We, we don't let our kids do whatever they want to do because we love them. We want to protect them. And so we have rules, don't we? We have guidelines. And you make them up for their own good. And until you settle that God's Word is the standard for your life, you're going to fall for all kinds of temptations. Specifically, sexual temptations. So here's the bottom line, starting place. Number one, we have to make a commitment to keep God's standard of morality. Okay? No ifs, ands, or buts. We're going to live according to the Word of God. I'm going to do what God says about this thing of sexual immorality and sexual purity. Okay? Number two, to avoid fatal attractions. And this is for people who are married. If you're not married, don't time me out right here because, you know, who knows, one day you may be. So, point number two, maintain your marriage. Maintain your marriage. Hey, we got the screen back on. Hey, can you pull up some of those people's thoughts this past week? It's not too late to go back to that. All right. Number two, maintain your marriage. Really, this is the greatest insurance for a happy home life. Um, you know, I've been married, how many years now? It's going on 30. We're about to be married 30 years. Wow. 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 30 years. Some of you have been married a long time, uh, maybe even longer than that. And, and my point is, if the fire has gone out, rekindle the fire in your marriage. Rekindle the romance. Now, I, I know it may take a torch for some of y'all, but you know, that's the challenge. Let's rekindle, rekindle the fire. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19 says this, Rejoice, rejoice in your wife. Not in my wife, but in your wife. Rejoice in your wife. Let her charms and her tender embrace satisfy you. Let her love alone fill you with delight. Now, contrary to popular opinion, God is pro-sex. It was His ideal. God thought it up, not Hugh Hefner. Listen, the world has made it dirty. God made it pure. And so He says, men, rejoice in your wife. I could flip that around. Ladies, rejoice in your man. And let me say a word about the word rejoice. In the Hebrew, it means glitter. I hate glitter, but this is a different kind of glitter. Glitter or sparkle or get excited. Men, get excited about your wife. When you hear her name or her voice, whoa, man, wow. 
puts a sparkle in your eye. There's glitter floating around your head. The first time Adam saw Eve, he said, This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, baby. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that really, Jason. Maybe in the message, all right? Maybe that's the message version. I don't know. But you rejoice in her, you know? She's the one that makes you happy. Should be. And then it says, be satisfied. Let her charms and her tender embrace satisfy you. Her satisfy you. Him satisfy you. Now, you know what he's saying here? He's saying, don't compare. Don't compare. Let her satisfy you. Don't compare. Don't compare your mate. Can I tell you something? There is no such thing as a perfect mate. Those creatures don't exist. Right? Some of you are thinking, maybe I married the wrong guy. Maybe the perfect guy is still out there. I need to keep my eyes open. No, you don't. Because he doesn't exist. I say this to people that I'm going to marry, generally in counseling. I, I remind them, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener where you water it. I love the judge who said, if there was more courting in marriages, there would be fewer marriages in court. So keep your love life alive. Rejoice in your spouse. Let your spouse satisfy you. Rejoice in your mate. Now, I don't have time to exegete it this morning, but 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is all about marriage, husbands, wives, spouses. In 1 Corinthians 7, 5, it tells us that sex is a spiritual responsibility. If you're married, it is your spiritual responsibility to meet the sexual need of your spouse. And it tells us very emphatically, you do not deprive one another of this. Because if you deprive your spouse of the sexual need that they have, you are opening, listen to me, you are opening the door for the devil to step into your home and into your marriage and into your spouse's life. Now, some of you are wishing that I had more time to exegete that, but that's all you're getting right there. Okay? So maintain your marriage. Fall back in love. You know, I, I know, I'm just talking to you now. I know that through the years, things happen in relationships, don't they? And sometimes we hurt the people that mean the most to us. And sometimes we say things that we wish we could take back and, and things that we regret. And if you're here today and you've been married any time over a week and a half, you've had problems. <laughs> That's reality, man. You know what? We need to forgive one another. We need to love one another. And we need to build those relationships. A church is only as strong as the families that make it up. Okay? So make your marriage strong. Number three. You say, hey, amen, move on, preacher. Number three. If you're going to avoid these fatal attractions, you need to manage your mind. Manage your mind. You need to understand how temptation works. 
James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 out of the Living Bible. Temptation is the pull of our own evil thoughts and wishes. Those thoughts lead to evil actions. So the battle starts in the mind. It starts right here in your head. It's where temptation begins. And if the devil gets your attention, then he gets your feelings. And if he captures your feelings, then he gets your action. You say, well, I would never do this, preacher. I'm just dreaming about it. I'm just thinking about it. Who in the world are you fooling? Who are you trying to kid? If you think about it, you could end up doing it. Notice how salesmen work. First, they get your attention. And then they move from that mental stage to the feeling stage. Oh, go ahead. Try the coat on. Here, let me put it on. Notice how it feels. Ooh. Go ahead. Take a sample of the Rocky Road ice cream. I think you'll love that. Here, go ahead. Take it for a test spin. You'll see what I'm talking about. Man, this baby will really fly around those corners. Go ahead. Drive it. And if he gets your feelings, then you're a goner, aren't you? Thoughts determine feelings. Feelings determine actions. And the key is to change our mental thoughts. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 28, If anyone looks upon a woman lustfully, he has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Guys, listen to me. Adultery starts in the head long before it makes its way to the bed. Manage your mind. Lust is the desire to possess. I should have started my sermon this morning with the story of David and Bathsheba. Because that's the ultimate, man, of, of you know, giving in to these fatal attractions. But here David was. He should have been out with his men, but he was out walking on the top of his palace, looking out across his city and his kingdom, and his eyes happened to get a glimpse of a woman who was naked on her roof. Okay, there it was. She was taking a bath. And his eyes lit on her. Now, that was not the sin. Okay? What he should have done is what I talked about last Sunday with Brother Joe, my mentor. Remember the Dallas Cowboy football game? He had made a covenant with his wife and the Lord not to allow his eyes to look upon anything that would cause him to lust. What did Brother Joe do during most of that football game? He was looking down at his shoes. Okay? That's what David should have done. But he didn't. He went back into his own chambers. He kept thinking about what he had just seen. He devised a plan to get the woman from her place to his place. And then he committed adultery with her. It was nothing more than lust. Lust got a hold of him. And the, the man who had a heart after God's heart messed up. You've got to manage your mind. Now, I'm going to go on to number four. Probably 50 years ago, if I were preaching this, of course, I'd only been one year old, but I would have not had to have had point number four. But in the world we live in today, we've got to have number four. If you're going to avoid the fatal attractions, you need to monitor your media intake. Okay? We live in a sex-saturated society. We are bombarded by visual and verbal stimulation every moment of every day. And advertisers have figured it out. Sex sells. 
Okay? Sex sells everything from bingo to batteries to bananas. I thought it was funny too, but, you know. I mean, they do. You know? You name it, they sell it with sex. Lust is a big business. A lot of love songs are not love songs. You know what they are? Lust songs. They're not about love. They're about lust. Pick up a magazine. Buy a novel. It's all over the place. Movies and television. That's all that's on. Michigan State University did a study not too long ago. And they said that the average teenage girl has watched over 1,500 sex acts or references to sex acts by the time she graduates from high school. The average boy about 100 less because they don't watch the same exact shows. 94% of all sex on television is between people who are not married. And can I tell you something? You don't need to be watching that. I don't care how funny it is. Don't watch it. The Bible says that the eye is the gateway to your soul. Matthew 6.22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, then your whole being will be full of light. But if bad, then it's full of darkness. What you see is what you become. And listen to me, every time you look at that big screen and living visual color at the movies, it goes off of that screen and it comes into the screen of your own mind. Scientists tell us that you never forget anything. It's lodged somewhere in your subconscious. Now let me prove this to you. How many of you have ever been somewhere doing something, maybe right here in church? Okay? Halfway paying attention, not really, you're just here. But then all of a sudden this thought just goes across your mind. You visually see something. Maybe it's sexual in its orientation. And you're freaking out, you're thinking... Where did that come from? Has that ever happened to you? Oh, don't, don't raise your hand, Jason. <laughs> I know you do, man. That's why you got the big S on your shirt, buddy. I'm with you. Hey, I'm, I'm right here with Jason. That's happened to me. And if you say it's never happened to me, you are a liar. The reason it came across your mind, where'd that come from? Is because six months ago, you saw it on a movie. And it's been in your head festering, just lodged there, dormant. But all of a sudden, the devil digs it up and he runs it across your eyes again, mentally. Psalms 101 verse 3, David said, I will set no vile thing before my eyes. Christians, listen to me. If you are serious about victory in this area, you're going to have to give up about 80% of the movies that are out there today. The Bible says what you allow in the gate of your mind goes into your soul. Some of you are saying, hey, dude, I can watch that stuff. It doesn't affect me. Again, who in the world are you kidding the way you think determines the way you feel, and the way you feel determines the way you act. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Run from anything that gives you evil thoughts, but stay close to anything that makes you want to do what is right. 
So here it is. Listen to me. If you go to a movie and you're sitting there in the movie theater that you've paid whatever it is you have to pay to go to a movie these days, and then you bought popcorn and, and, and a Coke, and you spent 50 bucks, right? And you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, they start projecting something on the screen that, that you know you don't need to be looking at as a believer in Jesus Christ. My advice is get up and walk out. So what? You've lost 50 bucks. Walk out. You don't need to be feeding on that garbage. Some of you are way too pious to go to a movie theater. See, when I was a kid growing up in West Texas, they, you know, a lot of preachers preached against that. Don't go to a movie theater. That's sin. So you know what they do now? You know what pious Christians do now? They wait till it comes out on DVD. <laughs> then they'll rent it, and they'll watch it in their living room in the privacy of their own home. So let's say you took that route and you rented this DVD and paid whatever, five bucks for it. And you're sitting there and nobody's even in the house. It's just you and the tube and you're watching it. And all of a sudden it starts showing some things that you know you don't need to be watching as a believer. Turn it off, eject the thing, and take it back. So what? You lost five bucks. You know what the Bible says? What does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If you're serious, you're going to have to monitor your media intake. I haven't even mentioned it yet, but I could spend the next hour talking about the evils of the Internet. You know, what a great tool that is. What a great thing that we have. But let me tell you, it can also be very wicked and very perverse. And guys, you've got to watch out for what you watch and look at. And let me tell you something. This is just practice. I better get over here when I say it, okay? I'm, behind the ho- I'm, I'm not behind the holy desk anymore. I'm over here in free man land. If you are a parent or a grandparent, you've got kids or grandkids over your house, you are doing them a grave injustice if you are not monitoring what they are looking at on the Internet. Even when, listen to me, even when you're not looking for that kind of stuff, It can pop up on the screen. So watch out. Refuse to eat the world's garbage. Garbage in, garbage out. What you put into your mind is what's going to become the basis of your lifestyle. So monitor your media intake. We're on number... How many did I say we had? Oh, we're right there. Cool. Number five, minimize the opportunities for temptation. If you want to avoid a fatal attraction, don't allow yourself in situations where it happens. Matthew chapter 6, verse 41. Keep watch, Jesus said, and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus said, keep watch. Watch out and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Here are two preventive techniques. Techniques. First of all is watch out. The word means be alert or be wise. In other words, know the situations that tempt you. Know the situations that can get you off base. Are you aware of the things that trip you up? One of the things today is that marriage partners spend less and less time with each other than ever before. Women are working. Men are on business trips. 
Women are on business trips. We're not around each other as much anymore. So we need to be aware. We need to be wise. We need to be smart. We need to avoid certain situations. For example, ladies, if you work in the, out in the world and there is a man in your office who keeps flirting with you, you know, it may, it, may, it may make you feel good and make you feel like you're really something and hot that he's flirting with you, but you need to avoid him. You need to stay away from him. That went over well, didn't it? <laughs> Men, same thing. There used to be male predators after females. Today there are female predators after males. You think... <laughs> Ain't going to happen to me, man. I'm as ugly as homemade soap. Well, you know what? I agree with you, you know? I'm about, I'm, I'm right there, man. I'm with you, dude. I'm not going to say it's happened in this church, but in every other church that I've had, I have caught women looking at me in a way that made me feel really uncomfortable. And let me tell you, they weren't looking at me because I'm so handsome and good-looking and dashing and debonair and bodacious. It's not why they were looking at me. I'm pretty ugly. But you know what? I think they were seeing in me something they weren't getting at home. So it's not because you're good-looking that women are, are preying on men today. It's, it's because you represent something to them that they're not getting at home. So men, beware! What do you do if you're caught off guard? What do you do with a surprise attack from the devil? Well, Jesus said right here, pray. Pray. Right there on the spot, you say, God, help me out of this situation. You minimize the opportunity. Listen to me. I'm going to say it again because you didn't get it a while ago. You didn't like it. It would be better to change jobs than to be unfaithful to your spouse. And then number six, you magnify the consequences you ask yourself with every temptation, no matter where it is or what level it is, is this really worth it? Temptation is incredibly short-sighted, especially immoral temptation. There are enormous consequences to breaking God's laws. I have heard the hurtful cries and the damage that has been done emotionally and spiritually and relationally and mentally. When we break God's laws, we don't break them. They break us. It always causes bitterness and guilt and disillusionment and strains in relationship. It always hurts. It always breaks fellowship with God. And it brings judgment on our lives. It's just not worth it. For a few moments of physical gratification, it's not worth it. I don't care what our world says. You magnify the consequences. See, when the devil is tempting you, he's telling you, hey, it's no big deal. He's maximizing the benefits and minimizing the consequences. Now, don't mistake me. There's pleasure there. But the Bible says this about it. There is pleasure in sin There is pleasure in sin, but only for a season. Dude, if sin were a bummer, nobody would do it. Hey? 
The devil makes it gratifying. He makes it great. And you can go out and have your kicks, but understand there will be kickbacks. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 6, this is God's will for you. He wants you to be holy and completely free from sexual immorality. The Lord will punish those who do such wrongs. God is serious about this. God takes a hard line on purity. You say, well, I know people who totally ignore what God says and they're getting away with it. Well, God doesn't settle all of His accounts in just 30 days either. The Bible says God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows or a woman sows, that they will also reap. It is inevitable. Whatever I sow, I will reap. It's just a matter of time. So, I magnify the consequences of giving in to a temptation. But I also magnify the consequences of resisting the temptation and the benefits that belong to that. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under temptation because when he has stood the test, he will receive the victor's crown, the life God has promised to those who love him. So the result of resisting temptation is a crown in heaven, a reward and the life that God has promised to those who love Him. Now, I don't know about you, but I want one of those crowns. He's saying you deny the lesser to gain the greater. So that's my sermon. Now let me wrap it up for you. Some of you are sitting right here today and you're saying, you know what, that's a good message, but it's way too late. I wished I would have heard that last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Let me say to you, there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ today. Okay? There is an ability to start over. God offers that to us. Jesus says to you, you know what? Whatever it is you've done, I can forgive. I can cleanse you. I can wipe the slate clean. I can give you the ability to start over. I'll give you a new life, not just a new leaf. So it doesn't matter where you've been as much as the direction your feet are going today. So you ask for forgiveness. You receive His forgiveness. Then you forgive yourself. You offer forgiveness to those that you've hurt. And you go on with God. There is forgiveness today. And it can be yours. I want to say this to our teenagers who are here. They're all over the building. okay? So teenagers, listen up to me. Wait for God's best. I personally believe that God has a mate for you. We need to wait for God's best. We need to wait for that mate that God is sending us. So we need to save ourselves. I don't care what your friends say. I don't care what everybody else is doing. You say no to sexual immorality. You're going to save yourself so many problems if you do that. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people who would say that sex before marriage has caused problems with sex in marriage. Guilt and resentment and comparisons and disillusionment and hurt and bad attitudes. So save yourself. God's laws are for our benefit, not for His. They're for yours. So make that commitment. 
You know, last week I said this in my sermon, that you need to plan your date. You do, guys. You need to plan your dates and don't get caught in a situation where you could compromise your purity. Don't do it. That goes for young people who have never been married. That goes for you adults who are married. Don't get into those situations. Now, here's what I want to say to you as I end. I made this decision a long time ago, okay? But it's worth stating before you today. I can stand before you this morning and say to you that by the grace of God, I intend to be faithful to my wife for the rest of my life. Why? I've got three reasons. Number one, because I love Jesus Christ. I love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I would never want to do anything that would cause disgrace on the precious name of Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So that's reason number one. I'm not going to commit adultery because I love Jesus. Number two, it's because I love my wife and my kids. I do. I love them. I cannot imagine sitting down with my three kids and trying to explain to them the reason I committed sexual immorality. I can't even fathom that. I love my wife and my kids. Number three, I am not going to commit adultery because I fear the wrath of God. Let me tell you, this is a serious issue with God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6, The man who fears the Lord shall avoid evil. So it's a healthy fear that I have. It's a fear that says God does not let people get away in this area. Why? Because God knows us. God knows us. It destroys people. It destroys relationships. So number three, I fear the wrath of God. Now, after I preach this at 9 o'clock, hang on just a second. My wife came up on the stage, and she said, Oh, beloved one, there is a fourth reason that you didn't mention. And I said, What's that? She said, Because I look good in orange. So, number four, not only do I fear the wrath of God, I fear the wrath of Miss Angie, you know? Oh, and immediately when she told me that, I, I remember we were playing golf. Steve and I were with a bunch of preachers, and, and uh, in the discussion, it came up this, this preacher, Free Will Baptist preacher, that committed adultery, uh, ruined his family. His wife divorced him and left him. He left the church, and, and Steve started laughing. He said, Well, I can just I can see it if Will did that. I can, I can see Miss Angie trying to explain to the, the police officer, Officer, he accidentally fell on that knife 87 times. <laughs> or was it 89? I don't remember, you know. Oh, there you go. Wow. So how do you avoid a fatal attraction? How do you live pure in a world that is not pure? How do you stay sound in an unsound world? How 
do you keep your morality in a world of immorality? When we are being bombarded constantly and everybody is saying, just do your own thing. If it feels good, do it. How do we avoid this temptation? Well, you make a commitment to God's standards. You maintain your marriage if you're married. You manage your mind. You monitor your media intake. You minimize the opportunities and you magnify the consequences. And it all starts, it all starts in a place like this. At a time like this. I guess when you've got enough guts to come to an altar like these and commit your life to Christ or your marriage or if you're single, your future. And you stop playing games and you mean business with God. And that's what I challenge you to do today. Come, on, come to the altar. Join me at the altar and make this commitment for sexual purity. Whether you're a single or whether you're married, you make the commitment to remain pure. Let me tell you something. If you've got kids or grandkids, pit bulls couldn't keep you from the altar today, I would think. Because no matter what temptation you faced, for me it was 1977, 78, 79. You know what my, my motto, every class has a motto? Coronado High School, graduated in 1979. You know what the school's motto for that graduating class was? Show you the kind of class, kind of people I went to school with. Um, we drink beer, we drink wine. We're the class of 79. And they did. They did. That stuff was in front of me every single day. But I know that no matter what I faced in 1979, my kids are facing a whole lot more of it in 2013. So parents, grandparents, please use this opportunity today to pray for those kids. And you know what? They can stay pure. Guys, you can do it. But you can't do it without God's help. So come get the